All right, friends, how's it going? It's Matt, you listening to Looking Sideways Action Sports Podcast, the show where I try and cover the most fascinating stories in action sports and other related endeavours. How are you doing out there? All good? Nice one. So let's get to it. My guest this week is my great friend, Hannah Bailey. And what a thoughtful and multi-layered conversation we've got on our hands this week. Always thought it would be, to be honest. Because over the years, Hannah's carved out a singular career for herself in the skate and snow industries as a photographer, writer, communications specialist and all-round creative powerhouse. Yes, we are in life for territory for this one, which regular listeners will recognise as my description of somebody who's been in this industry for years and who has, by dint of basically following their own interests and passions, created an influential and fulfilling role for themselves, perennially popular these episodes, because I think people are always really interested in how people like me and Hannah end up with these, frankly, odd jobs that we've got. And Hannah, in particular, has done this completely on her own terms, and in the process has quietly helped bring about a sea change in the way that women's skateboarding and women in action sports generally are perceived. Now, because we're friends, I've watched on proudly over the years as Hannah's career has gone from strength to strength. But I must say, until we chatted for this, I never realised quite how intentional it all was. And I think that's the value of these episodes of the podcast and of this particular conversation with Hannah, how your own take and a vision of the inclusivity of action sports enables you to, you know, ignore the usual career paths, make your own way and help change the status quo while you're at it, which is what Hannah's done. Plenty of depth and food for thought in this one. I'll be back at the end for Housekeeping Corner. But in the meantime, here's me and Hannah Bailey. Enjoy. This is it. It's happening. This this is... It's actually I mean, this, happening. I mean, but literally, <laughs> this, this is it literally happening. Um, how, how you doing? You're right. When was the last time we saw each other? I was trying to remember. I would say it was probably in London. I was going to say there probably a few months ago, but that's no chance because somehow the past six months have really gone into a whole other time zone for us, haven't they? So I want to say maybe February, January? Yeah, maybe. But even then I was trying to think, I I couldn't really remember if it was this year or not because obviously we did loads of stuff last year. I mean, I was in Japan for most of, january and february so i missed ispo and all that um so yeah i definitely missed you um in japan so it must have been late last year in london that that'll have been it but it's it's so hard to say isn't it because the world has completely changed and the way we're kind of recording time and our memories and what we're up to and everything's changed since then and also the way we're sort of connecting with each other you know i can almost feel like we might have seen each other not that long ago, having spoken so much about doing the podcast and trying to make it happen. Yeah, it has, it has <laughs> been a while, actually, isn't it? I think, um, yeah, I think I might have first asked you to do this, or maybe even last year, and you've been, you, you've been, yeah. you've been avoiding it. But uh... <laughs> it's funny you say that, Matt, because I was thinking about that, and you know, in my head, I was thinking, oh, when Matt says to me, oh, are you avoiding me? Are you ghosting me on on doing the podcast? And I'm like, no, I'm just busy. I'm, you know, juggling all my projects, which, as you know, I've got multiple things going on, which I'm sure we'll get into. Um, And I was like, deep down, 
I realized, yeah, of course I'm apprehensive about doing this podcast because you look at the people that have been on it, even just the recent podcast with like Christina as an astronaut and surfer and Mario from POW and Leo, the amazing skater. And then I thought, where where do I fit into this story? But if I can chat to you and and somebody listens out there who's thinking, all right, there's there's ways to get into this industry that are are quite accessible. And if you're passionate about something, you, you can find all these different avenues in this outdoors industry that we're in. If it can encourage someone, you know, and open that door for them, then I think that's kind of the success of it. And I thought, well, I'm I'm willing to kind of put myself out there and hopefully tell my story or tell some of my stories through this that maybe open that door for someone or, or create that avenue. Because you have to, they always say you have to see it to believe it or you have to hear it to believe it. And I think a lot of people... Um, that could help a lot of people, hopefully. You know? Yeah, I mean, it's weird. I mean, I did that 1% for the Planet podcast and I was the same, you know, he's had like Jeremy Jones, Yvonne Chouinard, Caroline Gleick, Gleick, Gleick however you say it. Sorry, Caroline. Um, you know, <laughs> it's quite a list. And James, who's probably listening, so hello, James. Um, and then he's like, do you want to come on this podcast? And I was a bit, I was the same, I was a bit like, I mean, thanks but i don't really see where i fit, fit into that that role called people really um but yeah i mean to be honest you've just described exactly why i was really interested in speaking to you a but b i mean i get to choose so um and and you know it's it's kind of about interesting stories isn't it um and it's really nice very selfishly when i can speak to my friends as well because you know um can kind of relax a little bit although it's always pretty relaxed but you know what i mean mm. not that i'm saying that's the only reason i should come on <laughs> <laughs> we're just having a friendly catch-up um, no i agree and it's it's a reason that i'm happy to do it as well and i think it can be really difficult to tell your story especially when you're someone who's worked behind the scenes and i work hard behind the scenes to push other people's stories and champion like whether it's like the women in women in skate or um, kind of underrepresented skateboarders or people within the industry and I'd I'd much rather be in that position than putting myself out there and I think that is maybe the sort of personality I am and I think also that's probably why I picked up a camera in the first place well it definitely is why I went to a skate park and I was I was kind of um, scared and feeling insecure about my abilities within it but I found with, with a with a camera I could go to these places I could I could help these skaters tell their stories and I could kind of put my time and energy passion into that area. So yeah, it's quite funny when you're then the cameras turned on us as behind the scenes people or the the microphone is turned on us. I think maybe we're getting better as a collective with that because I read a lot more interesting stories with photographers and people behind the scenes than maybe I'd I'd read before but I think that's just a matter of people being interested in it as well especially on the side of um like women who shoot skateboarding for example there's just more interest in knowing who we are and what we're up to and collectively we're all excited for that kind of opportunity to tell our story but yeah it's definitely um it's not it's not the position I'm I'm certainly used to yeah it's funny that isn't it because one of the things I spoke to James about I mean, you know, like it's interesting that you, you know, you're saying like there's almost this tendency to think, well, my story's not that interesting, which is certainly what I 
think and 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 thought when people asked me to do other bits i've done a couple of bits recently um but one of the things i spoke to james about on that one percent for the planet podcast which has come up quite recently he was like how do you pick the guests and i think there's always that temptation in our industry to sort of venerate the the professional athletes isn't there and, and kind of like you know think that those are the most interesting stories because that's essentially the direction that the industry's pointing at you know the industry invests all its money in 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 those people um and promotes those people and there's a and and, and obviously that's fine because they're amazing at what they do which is the main reason that we're all here but and and certainly when i started the podcast i mean i didn't i didn't like just pick the big name athletes from the beginning i was quite you know set upon trying to pick the interesting stories but it was definitely I definitely did do that I definitely was a bit like oh I need to get like name x y and z on there you know mm-hmm. and recently I've kind of realized like I actually just don't need to do that because those people often aren't that interesting um you know probably heresy to say that but often they're they're not I do say that from the position of somebody that spent 30 years interviewing professional action sports athletes feel fairly qualified to say that um and but and people like you say there is an appetite to learn more about the other stories that are floating around and ultimately it just Mm. comes down to what you think as somebody with a an an outlet like i've got with this like what an interesting story is and i just realized yeah that I get to choose, so. <laughs> <laughs> but I always think that's a really good point as well, is that, you know, the industry that we're in, whether you're talking surfing, snowboarding or skateboarding, which I do think that this is a very, very relevant comment for, is that they can be quite isolating for a lot of people to get involved in and they, they're not the most accessible in many ways. And I think that's always been something that I've been fueled with or fuel that has fueled my work and that is kind of opening making these these um lifestyles or activities or sports whatever you want to call them accessible because there's such a big thing with imposter syndrome in the action sports industry I think where or in any industry but um maybe personally I felt it um coming into the the industry or there's been elements of it that I've had to fight and kind of put in a cupboard and ignore and that is that, you know, I'm not going to be the professional athlete. Um, I love snowboarding. I love splitboarding. Um, I can do these activities. I'm very lucky in that I can get out in the backcountry and I can I can go down a black run. I've worked hard to get to that stage with skateboarding. I've got three tricks that I pull out the bag every now and then and I worked hard to get there. But I'm, I still can't kickflip or my ollie is a smallie. But why should that stop me from from being in this industry okay it's going to stop me from being a professional skater that is totally fine and I'm not here to try and be that and um, but it should certainly not stop you from finding a, another avenue within the industry or within the sport that you're passionate about and I think sometimes it, it can be very off-putting and I felt it in snowboarding as well that sort of that sort of imposter feeling but I think you can find your own route and path in it and especially um, I love the idea of making these things more accessible for people. I love showing the the little stories of of skaters who, whether it's like the Snaggle Rats in Edinburgh, who are like a young crew of five or six year old skaters that I got to shoot earlier this year, and oh, sorry, the end of last year. There goes my time again. Um, and showing mm-hmm. 
getting, you know, promoting what they're doing to show young people, not just young girls, that they can skate so you can and they're just dropping in the bowl or they're just pushing around. They don't need to do a million and one tricks to inspire. In fact, they just need to be on a, a skateboard and then get on the TV and that's the the kind of the secret to it is just showing these um, accessible routes into the sports that we love and I think accessibility is really key and I love being a part of of showing that and getting more people into it do you think it's changing generally well there's almost a couple of questions there actually because you're talking about you know you described your personal experience which I completely relate to and I've talked about that quite a lot on the podcast talked about that a lot to Christina Cook last week actually about you know that whole stereotype effect thinking people are judging you which is like a personal thing and um I I definitely suffer from that personally and have to fight quite hard to push that out of my mind I mean interestingly I find skateboarding to be the most to be the least judgmental and probably surfing to be the Mm. most judgmental um of all those things Uh, but then you know that's that's a personal thing which you've just described but then you know then there's like the kind of collective thing isn't there which is traditionally these cultures have just told really like one story, which is like a very white skill-based California focused um, cultural story, haven't they? And if you didn't, and if you don't, if you don't conform to those things historically, you know, if you're not that good, even though that you know, even though it's always like, oh, it doesn't matter like how good you are. I, you know, I think that's kind of bull- bullshit. Mm. Obviously, their culture's predicated on showing off. So, um, <laughs> like, but but you know, like that's been the traditional means of expression in the culture. So the question I would say is like, do you think it's changing? Because I I look around, I think personally, mm. it kind of is. I think there's there's like there's loads more. One of the great things about social and and, yeah. and like you know people being able to make their own uh content to wacky wanky words mm. i just used but like you know you don't need those gatekeepers you don't need to conform to that traditional sort of cultural story and there's loads of good stuff out there yeah. you know, there's a guy on instagram I agree. zero ego surfboard reviews i think he's called something like that and he's like a bit of a kook self-confessed don't give a shit just do it and, and it's great you know there's there's a girl on instagram curvy surfer girl who's like proudly yeah proudly not a size eight you know it's 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 i do think it's changing i do think it's like this access to the different ways of communication and the way we can communicate globally and showcase our stories which is so fantastic i think personally for me going back to the very start is that i didn't come from a, a background of of skiing or snowboarding or skating or i never did these things when i was younger growing up so my kind of connection to the culture and understanding and ability in it started at zero as I entered kind of my 20s um, and even my later 20s for for skating and when I when I found snowboarding in my early 20s that was like a pivotal change for me for kind of what I felt was important in life and really feeling a connection to people a connection to nature and just wanting to work in the industry um, and that was kind of where I got my um I don't know, my passion and my spark to to get into the industry. Um, but really it was it was seen seen it differently, I think, because there's a way that these 
sports have been um kind of showcased like you say um focused on like a, a particular marketing a particular demographic and I think when I got into skateboarding for um example and in in particular um I looked around and I thought well I've never been in this before so I don't have this kind of um set way that I need to capture it photograph it push it or or anything kind of connected to seeing it in a in a sort of thrasher sense and I I saw it in this kind of brand new way of well these are really inspiring stories these are really inspiring visuals of women and girls in particular and kind of underrepresented skaters and I want to show these to the world because I think that this is a really amazing tool for questioning how we represent women in the media in particular and I had a kind of personal although I didn't have a personal connection when I when I was younger to skateboarding uh, snowboarding surfing I felt a much more um I I had definitely felt the effect of how women were represented in the media and that was a massive thing for me was growing up there was this visual of what I should be when I grow up to be when I grow into a woman what I should look like it was what I should look like more than what I should be it wasn't it wasn't anything about my ability it was about how I how I looked and that really came from how I felt magazines portrayed women back in the 90s and what was important and what was what we really should be focused on as girls turning into women and um so I kind of felt like when I got into the when I went when I found snowboarding I found this whole other world that was really speaking to me that said you can do things it's not about how you look we're all part of the same community um, and I was really inspired and the same as skateboarding I was very inspired by these women that were skating and they were all different shapes and sizes and ethnicities but at the beginning nobody was really showcasing their stories even in the core media in a sense they were there was a lot of um a lot of content and the magazines were really for boys and men and they weren't showing these women and girls that were skating and I felt like, well, not only do I want to try and get more of these stories shown in core media, but actually more so in the mainstream media, because I guess my my personal story connected to wanting to change that for the next generation coming up um, so that they would look in magazines and go, wow, look at that. I want to be I want to be Leo or I want to be Samaria, you know, or I want to be you know whoever it is but these are these are people doing amazing things these are and it's not just about how they look well they all look different and that is how humans are and that is so important which I think was something that I was missing in my kind of pivotal years as I grew up and so it is a very personal mission and just coming back to to what you were saying about is it changing the accessibility? I think it is because we've got this. We've got social media channels that are showing us the different stories. Um, there's a lot more um, coverage in the media, which is not just them um, stereotypical, the same old stories, the same, the same athletes or, um, yeah, the same kind of faces being shown. But it is it is cool to show lots of different faces now, and that's. It's a shame to make it about it being a trend or about it being cool, but it is it is a great thing that that door has been opened and I think we've waited long enough for it. So that was a, 
that was a conscious thing then from when you first started documenting skateboarding snowboarding through photography um that that was something that you actively thought you thought like i'm gonna try and sort of subvert this cultural norm that we that we have in the way that women are represented yeah it sounds a bit crazy looking back but 100 percent the whole time i had to i guess because a lot of my work in um, whether it's from a journalistic or photographic point of view um with capturing the stories of women in this industry in particular skateboarding because of it's it's not a job it's it's always been a side project a side hustle a passion project as we as we call it um because of that it's always been about i guess this kind of selfish personal mission that i've had which i felt like where can i think if you find what you're passionate about and what you believe in then you if you can put your energy into that to make a change then that's probably a good way to live your life a good way to do your work and definitely in this case yes I, I picked up a camera um the first time I picked up a camera to shoot skateboarding was when I went to Malmo in 2012 um I was working for DC Shoes at the time and I was doing their their PR so my my bread and butter has always been communications PR for brands and athletes events in the industry and then on the side you know I get a call from Lucy Adams who was skating for DC at the time and she said um do you want to come to Malmo with us we're going a a little group of skaters it's me it's Becky Jacks it's uh Stephanie Nerding we just wondered if you'd like to come along and I hadn't even learned to drop in by this time but um Lucy knew I was I was a passionate photographer um, and I hadn't turned the camera on a skateboarder yet and um, I was straight away like, yes, I'd love to, love to come come along and join you for this trip. So I went over and um, we had an amazing time in Copenhagen and Malmo and I just shot rolls and rolls of film. I wasn't on digital mm-hmm. back then, even though it was 2012. <laughs> and um, the whole time I was thinking, where can I put this story? Because I am so inspired by this group of women and the way they skate and the way they are. And I just think they're really great role models and I want to champion them and get them in the media. And um, so the whole time I'm shooting, I'm connecting, like, where can I push this piece? Where can I put these photos? Not because I want my photos pushed out there, but because I want them to be featured because not many people were, there was no one else there taking their photo. There should have been someone else there who'd maybe had a digital camera and was shooting for multiple multiple years but nobody else was following them around um so there's me following them around and I think that that those photos we got on dazed digital and I think we did another piece for women's health so straight away I could see that there was an interest in in this in the mainstream media and that we could kind of infiltrate if we could take those pages um, or that online placement that maybe was going to go to some sort of Kardashian or a piece about what to do if you have cellulite or how to paint your nails. If we were taking that away and we're putting in content of people like Lucy Adams, um, that was kind of my aim because that's what I would have much rather seen and learned from when I was younger and just for society to learn from as well, I think. So what, at what age did you become aware of that societal pressure that you're talking about 
Because it sounds like it was quite a significant pressure that you felt from quite a young age. I would say that, I would say it was when I was 14. And I can say that because I've got an older brother and I spent all my childhood running around like a human alongside him, climbing trees, playing football, playing with dolls as well, a bit of everything. And then when I hit 14, something changed. I think my brother had left home to go to university and um, I was in the house more by myself with my own thoughts. And also kind of that's when society starts creeping in. Maybe you start buying magazines, you're, you're, you're noticing more how women are represented or the way things change at school. And I think I can't really put my finger on exactly what it was, but it was a general infiltration of media and content around. Now, obviously back then, I didn't have a phone, I didn't have social media, so I don't know. And I imagine it's even more difficult now for a 14-year-old girl. There's there's lots of content out there that's great, but there's also lots of content that's that's not so great. And maybe they'll see the not so great stuff, which is um, it's a whole other conversation, I think. Well, it's, rel- it's relentless, but, isn't it? You know, it's re- it's re- it's it relentless is, yeah. for anybody. It's rel- it's relentless for you know anyone anyone that's aware of their own self image and you know it yeah. has has a view on that. It, it's it's difficult. So yeah, at that age, formatively, it's it, today. It's yeah, it is it's unceasing, isn't it? You know, the, mm. to to try and pick your way through that. Um, yeah, and sometimes, you know, as a photographer in this day and age, and if originally I was taking on kind of the traditional media, that was almost quite an easy task in some ways, you know. I'm thinking, here's a list of traditional media that I'm going to try and infiltrate with this content that I believe to be positive and um, inspiring. And I set off on that as kind of like a a personal mission and in and of course in many ways a professional mission because it is it is what I do now you know I'm 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 finally in a stage of you know um getting paid as a photographer in the niche area that I'm in and actually I'm I'm supported by Getty for this particular subject matter so it's it's really great to say that now but yeah it was a battle of or like a a journey I'm not going to say a battle it's not a battle so it was an amazing and fun and has been a really amazing fun journey for eight years um of doing this but an important thing in my mind going forwards is that I want younger people to see that they can make a viable career at being a photographer of skateboarding and and you know in particular girls to see that and so I've got to take it seriously in order for um the industry to take it seriously and for it to be a job that exists and um that's kind of an amazing position to be in I think but quite quite a lot of um quite a lot of pressure but I think that it's it's something that I'd like to push my work towards now is kind of helping create that where at one point I was thinking, do I have to take on the social media <laughs> kind of challenge now? How do I help here? And I'm like, no, no, no. That's kind of, you just got to organically yeah. let that be. Or where do I fit into this industry that is like really buzzing and and all of the, the magazines are now kind of proactively doing their own content around 
the skaters and that's brilliant it's like it exists and I think it's quite funny because I have conversations with like Mimi Knoop um obviously legendary skater and um with Kim Woozy um who was the founder of Mafia TV and is just an amazing um pioneer of the scene and really taking things forward and works with Skate Like a Girl now um we kind of have conversations about you know we have to recognize that the scene has changed and that we've a lot of the the work we've done is kind of happened so where do we fit in now and we have discussions about this which is is great it's a great community to be part of um a little work community and full of in, inspiring ladies just kind of working out what we should do <laughs> well you know there's always whatever whatever the change in landscape there's always a room for substance isn't there and your there's always a home for substance sorry and basically you've done it your work has substance and is as you've clearly demonstrated is is considered and there's a point to it and i think like if you do that that you're always going to find outlets you're always going to you're you're always going to that's always going to be interesting to people you know no matter no matter what what medium you communicate in that through whether it's social media or print back in the day or mm. or whatever um yeah you, you know there's there's obviously a lot of vapid sort of surface gloss col- uh, content out there right now which which gets a lot of attention but i think what mm. s- substance is is will never go out of fashion let's put it that way and i think you know that's that's kind of what you what you brought to it one one question that i've got about you know you mentioned the fact that you snowboarding and then skateboarding kind of gave you a home as it were away from the the sort of mainstream cultural pressures that you were becoming increasingly aware of did that continue or did you find sometimes you came up against those same pressures in these supposedly alternative cultures at any point yeah that's an interesting question because straight away I want to say no that I haven't felt that way I've always felt at home in it but I've been very lucky with both snowboarding and skating in the industry as a whole to have um really amazing mentors throughout my time working in it and just being a part of it um and I've surrounded myself by the good in the industry so I don't think I could have could be sitting here um after 12 years of working in it and say um I wouldn't be sitting here after 12 years working in it if it wasn't for the fact that it's still fueling me and still inspiring me um almost exactly as much as it did the day I started or in 2012 when I was when I got my first kind of chance to write for Cooler and or in 2015 when I went to work with Skaterstan or you know everything I've had such an amazing journey with it and I think that I'm also quite good with my work to and recognize my in my work and how I work that um I need to mix things up or I need to keep I have a lot of different plates spinning um as you know and that means that I've always got something that's fueling and inspiring me um and I choose wisely kind of where I put my time and my energy even if I do take on too many things but yeah I don't have anything that I can say that um that has really kind of turned me off the industry because if there has been anything whether it's been a million and one nose of course I've had a million and one nose for content or 
not being interested in it or um, you know magazines not being interested in it or um brands saying no to kind of um like pitches that we put together to try and um kind of do some content projects there's been so many no's but it just fuels me to keep on going to get the yeses so I think that says a lot for the community that we're in and for um especially the the skate community that that I'm lucky to be part of um just really supportive like we have a a group at the moment that we formed during lockdown um me and Kim and Sarah Houston who started yeah girl skateboarding um we decided we'd start this group where we bring together um all the the women behind the scenes whether they're photographers or videographers just to chat out and talk about what we're doing and and do that over zoom and I think that's been a really great thing in lockdown is realizing the strength of the community and the strength of the people that you work around because they're still there I'm still working with them I'm still fueled and I've got an ideas list that goes on and on and I keep on dipping into so yeah actually um over you know we had we had the initial lockdown and then we had the lockdown um kind of now in a sense in Scotland in particular we're only allowed to be in one household and can't visit our friends and um in between those two lockdowns there was an idea that I've had on my list for years I make I'm a listographer I like making Hmm. lists of ideas and I I keep all my books and my notebooks and I go back through them to see if there's anything that I'd like to take forward and there's some things that just stay in the notebooks and there's some things I know I want to do because they appear for years and years and there was this project idea that I had around um it was kind of called like a working title of Forget California about um showing the the potential of Scotland and what's here um, in the eyes of a skater. And um, so during the two lockdowns, I managed to get Helen along, um, who's an amazing skater from London, um, um, got who skates for Vans as well. She, she came up the road to Inverness and I picked her up and we travelled around the northwest section of Scotland to find skate spots. Obviously, there's not many skate spots in the northwest of Scotland because it's mostly kind of um moorlands hills uh beaches and a lot of kind of cracks and not many curbs but um yeah we managed to get out and shoot a a little series and be out on the road together and it's amazing because she's you know to hang out with someone like Helena who's part of the community who's so up for coming up and getting these ideas out there and with that one in particular, we just kind of took our chance and she came up to Scotland. We had a we had a good trip and got some good photos. But I think that um I'm just saying that because I think that my just to show I don't I don't think my um passion and enthusiasm has waned much if I'm going back into the list from years ago and asking calling upon my community to help me make these things happen. So it's a special thing to be part of and I feel lucky to call this my job have you always done that have you always like kept those creative records because i do that i i am a compulsive list maker and uh i like i write in notebooks just for the sake of writing in them really it's it's quite a strange thing to say but i've kind of realized that like i make notes often i can't really even read them um and, and 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 i do use them in the same way that you're talking about 
go back look at the ideas and i totally recognize that thing you're saying of like those recurring ideas that you, that you have that that you that you end up you know i quite like i've always been a big believer in like just let ideas marinate like and try and work out when the right time to do them is but i've kind of worked out that for me the, the notebook thing is is almost just part of i'm gonna say feeling creative i'm not even gonna say like being yeah. creative i'm gonna say like you know part of part of that process to almost like trick yourself into doing it um is that yeah. something that, i completely do, do, do you know what i'm yeah. getting at have you have you i totally think that way because just when you were talking about how you used notebooks there i was thinking it is my it is a creative outlet of mine and um it took me a while to find find what creativity meant to me and whether i was creative because when i was at school i was you know, we're all put in our corners and I was put in the corner of the sporty, the sporty ones. Yeah. So like I do PE and that's, that's what they could say. They, they asked me to be in the hockey team and I say no. And I decided to do table tennis instead. So I was kind of like an alternative, but they, they put me in the sporty area and um, they wouldn't let me do art because I drew this really terrible <laughs> picture off my backpack. I remember I must've been about 12 or 14 or something in art class you know before you decided what what classes you were going to carry forward and yeah we had to draw a picture of our own backpack and I drew it and I was so proud of it I was like that's not bad you know I actually managed to draw something there and um I remember the teacher just being like oh yes art's not for everyone I was like what oh okay so that ruled it out and then on the other side I kind of had my dad saying oh you know you're not an artist you're not creative there's no point in doing all that so I thought that not being good at art meant I wasn't creative and um, it took me years to work out as after I'd left school that I was um, that I mean everybody's creative everyone has a way to creativity and an outlet to it well, it's, it's and another, then notepads really helped me it's that. another one of those pressures <laughs> that we're talking about though, isn't it or like not even pressure pressure like conformity of something you have to unlearn as you go as you get older or relearn yeah you know like the concept of creativity being individual to the person and um it's actually fine to try and express that in different ways like you know which is what we're talking about with mm. this um notebook thing because it you know that's what you know morning pages do you know, do you know what that is like um can't remember a name it's julia somebody or other it's really famous um it's part of the artist's way and that's just a book which is about like helping people realize what their own creativity is and morning pages is a really famous mm. thing whereby you know like loads of famous creative people directors artists swear by it you get up in the morning you basically like free associate on a page whatever's in your head and then you don't even read it really you mm. don't do anything with it but it's like it's almost like the act of of allowing yourself to just free associate is is a habit that if you get into will will help you get to the position get to the point where you don't judge mm. yourself on whether what you try to create is any good or not because that's another big that's another yeah. big thing isn't it you know like oh i can't do that because i'm no good at it which is basically what you were just talking about with, with what your art teacher said to you but that isn't the point yeah. of creativity is it the point of creativity is is to do it is to do the thing exactly I, I really love thinking about what creativity is um, and obviously it comes in all shapes and forms but I always think and I've re recently thought of it especially over lockdown is like well creativity is when 
you're showing it and you're putting it out there. Creativity doesn't exist until you put it out there, whether it's in a photo, whether it's in words, whether it's in a video. It's just an idea before then. So I think maybe, yeah, these these notebooks are ideas and then I'm going to use that to help my creativity or to make something creative and put it out there because there's so much amazing stuff out there that you see that really it fuels my work and it would be amazing to it's exciting to think that you can add to that creative colorful energy that's going around the world um but yeah it doesn't it doesn't exist until you put it out there but I think with the notepads there is that element of of putting these ideas that you're then gonna put out there in a creative form but for me also it's a matter of organizing all my thoughts because I do juggle a lot of things and I have you know I I always say to people that I don't work I don't have a job role but I have a a job topic I work in a in a topic rather than a role because you know I'm a photographer journalist working communications within the roles of um outdoor sports environmentalism linked to that more recently and um, accessibility for people in the outdoor sports sector and getting more women and girls into it, like specifically. So they're my topics and I'll take on every single role or any role that is within that. And I think that people that work in the industry um, know that very well. It's kind of how we work, isn't it? Like you, for example, you're just like that. You've got, you've got, you're a multitasker in the industry and have been um, throughout your career and I think it's a really great way to be because it keeps you really fueled well I find it's a really great way to be but I do need a notepad <laughs> to write down my different thoughts otherwise I will maybe at some point forget some things which does happen yeah totally <laughs> I came back from France I'm not joking it took me a day to write my to-do list like the first day back it took me <laughs> all day and and that and it was it was funny because I had to write a load of lists to actually write the main list. Because what you've just described is like all the different areas. Yeah, you're right. You know, I obviously do quite a lot of different things, all self-inflicted. Um, and <laughs> if I I have to really like sort of be like, okay, right, there's that, there's that, there's that, there's that, there's that, like bang, bang, bang. Okay, and then try and try and marshal it really. And I just have to be trying to be really organised. Or so I haven't got. A, chance really and i also get quite mentally overwhelmed if i if i don't do that mm. um i'm tr- which is why i always work on a holiday which is bizarre because you know it's like otherwise i think i'm just sort of saving up a bit of stress at some point i'm try try to get a bit a bit better at that though um but i think it's really necessary if you're going to try and have like like you're talking about that type of unconventional um, path that you've followed and try and do it successfully you know what what i see mm. about you is yeah you're like really creative you're really organized um i mean i don't know and I, I don't even really mean in the traditional sense I just mean you know you've got a handle on what you need to do to, to 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 do all the things that you want to do but the other thing i would say is you always you make good decisions and you kind of alluded to that earlier when you said um that you knew when you needed to move on i think you said something like that because you know i'm a big believer that like Mm. life is 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 about forward movement and that just equals decision making Mm. really you know i always think that if you're stuck if you're stuck just make a decision 
whatever that decision is yeah and that at least will give you some forward movement and will change and will change the situation that you're in um and you you know you've always because you mentioned your you know let's call it day job the communication stuff you know we've worked together on loads of stuff over the years on that side of things you know I, i i offered you a job at one point which you turned down well, that was a really good decision. And that's what that's what I, that's what I mean when I talk about that, and that's why I almost bring that up because, you know, when I look back on that, I was probably like six years ago or something, and that was a really good decision because 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 you ended up doing all the things that, that you wanted to do. So I guess the question is, is that a conscious thing? Are you are you are you in control of that as well like the because you know you work for skate stand you're working for patagonia right now you've had some pretty great roles in the industry and but you Mm. always seem to know when to move on which is which i think is a really important thing to know that if you're gonna if you're gonna maintain your own interest and momentum oh definitely yeah and i mean it's the first time i've really thought about that before but yeah i'd in some ways just would say well i've been very lucky and luck is an element, you know, the timing when the roles come up. But it's also about making these decisions um, at the right time. And and I always think about the the philosopher Alan Watts and he talks about um, decision-making because as humans, we're not very good at making decisions. And there's a simple reason for that. And there's a simple way to make decisions. And what he says um, is that the, the only, there's a million and one different decisions you have to make every day or different variables or outcomes for each decision so it's almost an impossible task so the only way that you can make a decision and make the right decision is if you've decided you've made the right decision it's like as simple as that like a wave crashing it crashes the way it, it crashes it doesn't overthink it it's it's just been and it's done its thing and I think maybe my mentality or maybe the speed that I like to do my work and just keep going with it and keep full with it means that I make decisions and I don't overly ponder them because if you do look backwards you're making up a a story or, or look too far forward they're all just stories but if you're just in the moment and you think this feels right to me this is the right decision right now then that's all you have really and I think that is a really good way to and of course I don't always do that you know sometimes I ponder over or should I have had that for dinner last night? Should I have this for dinner? You know, it can go on for, it can go on and on in my brain. But yeah, I'm thinking about the the decision with skate, skate stand in particular and how all that worked out, which I find is quite a, a kind of funny story in that um, I had been doing my communications day job. I'd, I'd started Neon Stash as really it was me going freelance but I gave it this kind of kind of agency vibe back in 2012 and after uh, two years of working freelance in a communications role for DC for for Capita for other brands and things that were coming through London um, I had this idea in my brain that I should go and work at an agency um, to get some experience of how a PR agency runs because if I maybe want to go down that route with Neon Stash I should get a feel for it um, so I'm going to see if I can go and work at one of the like the big industries in in, um, in London and I got a job with um, Ben Bailey over at 360 at the time and he was working at um, part of Exposure a really big 
big agency that's like Nike and Converse and all sorts of big projects. And I was working on stuff on Adidas and um, working alongside him was really great. And Raul, who who started the agency, and I definitely took in a lot about what it meant to run an agency and kind of realized maybe that wasn't for me. Maybe I wasn't going to go down that path, which is as important, realizing what's not right for you. But um, when it came to to skate stand, I was I was in house at three sixty. I was sitting at my desk. I'd been there for six months, you know, doing doing the agency thing, and um, I got a call from my friend um, David and Louise who live out in Cambodia. They, I'd put them in touch with Skate Stand just from a. I'd been watching Skate Stand as a charity and just thought it was an amazing thing, and I'd found their generic email address and said to David and Louise that they should reach out because they also work in Cambodia. They ended up building a a tuk tuk skate ramp. Um, because Louise and David, um, my friends over in Cambodia, they have a, a building, they had a building charity called Building Trust International. So um, yeah, they teamed up as NGOs over there and created this tuk-tuk skate ramp. Um, and I got this call from David in February 2015 saying, oh, hey, Han, um, Tony Hawk's coming to Cambodia to build a skateboard with Skate Stan um, and we're going to be building it with them do you want to come over and help and I was like yes <laughs> like obviously I'll yeah. be there and then I just go through to Ben and I say pretty much I'm like Ben I'm off you know I've got to go Tony Hawk's in Cambodia just gonna go build this skateboard and you know I've been covering skateboarding and the the stories of of um women in skateboarding in the UK which was quite a small community at the time and that had been my experience so far and then all of a sudden I'm thinking right I'm going to go to Cambodia and see what Tony Hawk's up to with skate stand with the skateball um and it was it was a decision like there was no decision really it was just yes I'm going but that's a decision in itself um and a couple weeks later I was on my way to get the flight and I get a call from David saying Tony Hawk's not coming anymore um there was a long story about it being cancelled because it was meant to be this tv show anyway I went regardless because I thought this is amazing to get to go and see this skate project in Cambodia um and to go and hang out with with David Louise and just get travel around I'd never been to Cambodia before um and when I got there it really opened my eyes to the power of skateboarding for communities because I'd seen it in the UK on a small scale and I think it's it's um as admirable but over in Cambodia it was just incredible to meet the staff at the Phnom Penh Skate School that Skate San had there in particular a skater and who is now the general manager of the charity over there at 10 and she was one of the first skaters female skaters in Cambodia and she really had to push hard past a lot of stereotypes and um, feelings in the community that maybe she should be um, working elsewhere, not skateboarding, to to learn it and to become a figurehead for it, and she's inspired the next generation, lots of girls in the city to take up skateboarding, and lots of girls around the world. Um, so yeah, going over to Cambodia and meeting the charity there, um, and I was um on a trip to a skateball in the jungle with them they happened to be going on one um the weekend that I arrived and they invited me in the van tin said do you want to come we're going to the jungle there's a skateball 
And that was another moment of yes. And of course, that's timing and quite lucky, but I'd already said yes to making it over yeah, to you, you, you put, uh, Cambodia. You put yourself in a position to be asked, don't you? Yeah. And then, yeah, we we're just in the in the jungles skating the skateball. And um, Talia, who worked for the charity at the time, said there was a communications role coming up. Maybe I should apply for it. So the timing on everything was just was just perfect. And yeah, getting the opportunity to work for Skate Stand was really a, a dream come true and a dream job. And it will always be the dreamiest job I've ever had and um, could have had and was an amazing two and a half years with them um the timing was really perfect so it almost feels a little bit of fate that came across there um but it was it was really the first time I could work full time on this mission of pushing such inspirational stories and really giving a lot of purpose to my work where it felt purposeful before even you know working with DC and with the quick brands there was always an element of purpose because I believed in these activities being really positive outlets for people mentally and in a sense of the the positive content it was putting out there but with skate stand it's that whole other level I mean you've spoken with Ollie um for the podcast and I think a lot of people are aware of them through the film and just knowing the the work that they do in Afghanistan and Cambodia and South Africa and getting to go to all of those skate skills and to meet the little girls and the women skating was, I, d- I don't really know how to put it into words, which is quite rare for me. <laughs> so why, why why did you leave there? What was, how come the time was right? I'm not asking you to go into the reasons for the specifics, but I just mean, again, you know, on this like decision-making theme. Um, there was, yeah, there was a couple of reasons. And, um, you know, of course it's a, it's a viable question because it was a dream job and it was really difficult to, walk away from it but one was the location of working in Berlin that wasn't right for me personally um and I'd spoken to Ollie in the charity kind of early about that but the other one was that I think that for me I wanted to work wider across all of the the outdoor sports and I have a big passion for um for snowboarding and getting you know going outside and accessible adventure and that was something that my 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 energy was really going towards and I felt like my time with skate stan had kind of come to an end in that sitting in the Berlin office and you know I'd worked on six fundraising campaigns with them and had gone around this opened two skate schools and been around all of the skate schools to to meet with the staff and everything so it was an amazing 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 time and we got a lot out of it and um but it was just time for me to move on personally um the great thing is uh, I joined the UK board earlier this year so I work with them on kind of raising awareness of the charity here in the UK and um I think that's something that I just want to I think I'm better fit in a better place to do that and to help the charity in that sense. So it's great to still be connected and still be able to help what they're doing because I truly believe it's one of the most special things out there in the world. So oh, it's incredible what they've done, and it just keeps mm. getting more and more and more impressive, doesn't it? So, yeah. so creatively run as well. You know all the all the ideas and the new ways of getting the message out there are always just really clever aren't they and you know really well really yeah. well thought out um so can we chat a bit about your photography as well because 
you know, you mentioned that you'd been into it since before you started um, shooting skateboarding, but you also said something really interesting, which was that you, when you were talking about skateboarding, you liked almost like the barrier of the camera, like be being between you and the environment. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. So yeah. is that, is, is and that, I mentioned that earlier. Is that something with photography per se? Yeah, I think that came to mind earlier because I've been thinking a lot about the kind of role of photographers and and how we how we are as people or how we become photographers. I'm quite fascinated by it. Like I I've been reading, rereading over and over Susan Sontag's on photography and it's funny, she kind of talks a lot about like photographers as kind of people who are you know, to collect photographs is to collect the world. She says says that they're kind of collectors, or um, they're hiding because they don't want to be in the photo, or they don't want to be in that position. They're showing their vision. They're showing this one thing they believe. Um, it's got me really fascinated. But yeah, definitely, it made me realize to reading that book that um, I was really well. Lucy invited me along to Sweden, for example. She was throwing me in at the deep end. And I couldn't have dropped in the deep end. So I took the photo of her dropping in the deep end in a sense. So I think um, there is the element of hiding behind the camera, but then finding a home there. Yeah. I think that's important because at first you can be hiding, but then you could be taking loads of rubbish shots and then you're thinking, well, I don't want to be doing this. But um, I found by hiding behind the camera to see and go to these places... I also found my creative outlet, which is so important because I, I don't know how long I've been photographing and how I haven't had cameras all my life or um, had, you know, I didn't do photography at school or go to university to do photography. There's no formal training in my photography. So I really do see it as a creative outlet. And actually, it's only recently that I've really started calling myself a photographer, which has made my friend uh, Liz Seabrook, a fellow photographer, laugh a lot. Um, she even said that we were on a, on a trip uh, between the two lockdowns. She came up to Scotland and she kind of turned around to me and said, you finally accepted your photographer now. Thank goodness. And I was like, yeah, okay, I'm calling myself a photographer. It's, it's, I've got to that point. Um, I think that was because I'd come in from hiding behind the camera, finding a creative outlet through it, I didn't want to, I didn't want to just say, oh, I'm a photographer or just being a bit coy about it in a sense. I can't ex exactly explain why that is, but it has taken me a long time to, maybe I also didn't want to put pressure well, on I was, it. I think that's it as well. I was well. going to say that because it's a way of controlling the way you perceived A, but also, you know, it's just like a lot of baggage that comes with those labels. You know, I, mm. I would never call myself a writer even though I've, you know, spent mm. my adult life making a living from writing. But, you know, it's just a lot of baggage with that. It's just if you say to somebody you're a writer, they go, oh, what have you written? And if I say, like, well, yeah. I, wrote an, I wrote an interview with Elias Selhart last month for Snowboard Journal, it's always a bit like, oh, okay. You know, so I just, <laughs> I'd just rather not go there personally. I, I just think, I don't know. What do I say? 
I I think my stock yeah. line is I piss about for a living, which I think is <laughs> probably fair enough. But it, you know, but it is a. Very... I think I need to find a stock line because uh, sometimes people ask me, and I I kind of say a million and one words that sort of sum up what I do. It can be a really difficult one sometimes to summarize it, but maybe that's a good thing as well. It's quite a British thing, though, isn't it? To not just own it, <laughs> not just own your shit, not just be like you know well i'm a x y and z and you know <laughs> probably it's probably a bit annoying you know a friend of mine well a friend of ours you and um always you know we, we always used this is like excessively modest extremely incredibly talented everything he does and you know I, we were always a bit like your level of modesty is as annoying as arrogance ultimately because it because it's 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 like equally not truthful in in some ways you know what i mean like definitely yeah yeah i definitely think that's quite quite a brit a brit britsy thing so you also yeah i think the other thing with um just sorry matt just thinking about the kind of not calling yourself a photographer or kind of playing your story down i think for me and a lot of people it can be about expectations as well and just removing those expectations which obviously is is also pressure but I think that's almost been quite a good thing. I don't want, I don't take it back. I would never go back in time and say that I would do it any other way because it's not really my personality to start shouting about being this, that and the other thing. But also it's just nice to to not have that expectation and everything's just an added bonus. I think that's the way I live my life. Um, I believe I'm an optimist, but maybe deep down I'm just like a realist. <laughs> yeah, I mean, maybe. I think it's a control thing as well. I mean, that was the other thing I was going to ask about with the photography and the and the putting a barrier between yourself and the environment. I've never actually read that Susan Sontag book. It um, sounds like I need to read that. But does she talk about that? Does she talk about that being an ele- a way of controlling the environment and and your place in it? Yeah. Do you know what? She does it in two sort of ways. She kind of talks about maybe the sort of awkward characters that might become photographers because they'd rather communicate through their uh, photography, but also they don't have to communicate when they're in a social situation. Um, but I think the more um, kind of relevant element she talks about is um, is that the photographer has a control over you know, a visual, which is is quite a power to have, but also the caption that you put alongside it. And I think a lot about that in my work recently um, because I think that I've always thought that that is what's so great about it. And that's what I, you know, I take, like I've been talking throughout this podcast, is I take photos because I want to address this particular social structure and something that I don't believe so obviously I'm putting it into a caption state I'm putting it into a feature a full feature of like kind of my beliefs that this person's inspirational that this photo is inspirational which is 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 my belief but is that everybody's belief so that is quite a a power and quite a um kind of assumption to make um and I thought about it a lot this year and you know with the Olympics next year or what's going to be this year um, and now next year having skateboarding in it for the first time I was thinking about where do I fit in and how can I um, kind of capture the stories of women in skate or try and get some of that spotlight that comes that is going to go to the Olympics 
put over on these real stories of women in skate without it being necessarily my caption or or just my visual because I think that maybe the visual can be mine but maybe the caption can come from the women themselves and that's where it's it's got to and that's what I'm hopefully or that is what I'm going to do um, with a project that I've got coming up and coming out next year alongside the Olympics um, and I think that's oh, nice. quite empowering feeling the project itself is called in balance is trust um, obviously talking about the skateboard itself but also about um, the kind of relationship between a visual and the viewer whether that is the Olympics showing skateboarding in a certain way um, or whether that is me taking a photo or a portrait of um, uh, somebody with their skateboard and saying who they are no they can say who they are they can say what they are they can say why they like skateboarding rather than me putting the words on the paper or in their mouth um, so I'm really excited for that project and that sort of realisation um, and I think yeah reading Season Sontag on photography helped me helped me get to that to that place but I had thought about it in the past but I have to admit in some ways I'd just been kind of on this fast moving mission that I needed a bit of time to stop and think you know is what I'm doing right is it helping the community should I just be representing and talk about talking about women in skateboarding because it's such a a weird term now I don't like saying it although I've said it about a hundred times throughout this podcast (laughs) um but you know like where are we at I think that's what's so exciting about life at the moment but also challenging is that it's changing every week changing every day and that's not just related to the the kind of current situation although it is as well but um I want to try and kind of keep what I'm doing valid how the world is to try and yeah, to try and be do right with it in a sense. Um, so I'm excited about this project that that yeah launch next year, um, in line with the Olympics and just really giving the voice to, um, the real people that are skating who deserve to tell their stories and deserve to be recognised. Whether that's Tin in Cambodia or uh, Yuri in um, Japan, who's who films all the joint sorrow films, um she's just amazing she's been skating for so long and she's kind of three feature films in so it'd be great to have them championed alongside the the olympics which is going to get such a i really feel like skateboarding is going to be the most skateboarding climbing are going to be really focused on obviously um at the next olympics so it's really trying to make use of it in a good way and divert some of that attention to these real stories divert some of that attention to skate stan um to all the good social projects, to the good push, to the hundreds of good projects around the world. And I think I can be helpful, or I hope I can help in that sort of diversion of the attention. Yeah, I mean, that's the challenge. It's funny though, isn't it? Because yeah. the mainstream, I'm not even talking about the Olympics here. I'm just talking about mainstream, mainstream, just to make the, the very, very mainstream perception of, of what we all do is still so weird, isn't it? I mean, like... I was listening to the Adam Buxton podcast, which I absolutely love. I'm sure everyone does with Zadie Smith the other day. And even on that, they were like made some really disparaging reference to, to like the, the adrenaline guys, the Pepsi max guys and, and, and like, whatever, who gives a shit? But like, I just thought, wow, like, you know, even two people that are as a culturally attuned as that, like still, 
think of what is such a rich culture with so you know even from this conversation like what the, the elements of skate culture that you're interested in and that you champion and that you've talked about are so far from that you know so far from skate stand is so far from fuckwits exactly you know, like a, i think they're always going to exist this kind of jargon or terminology within the culture we're in but also isn't it so exciting that this other side of the culture that is um oh what's the word i'm gonna use for it so hard i almost want to say classy but i definitely don't mean that it's almost like um with more purpose more substance that's it probably which has a deeper meaning has a deeper substance to it those there's still a lot of um a lot of room to show that and i think there will be an amazing appetite for it you know when the mainstream public does see this does learn about skate stand i mean when they learn about it they're like wow that exists that's amazing and this stereotypical picture of a teenage boy skating down the street i don't know kind of dissolves in their mind and then they might replace it with this inspiring image of a afghan girl with her headscarf skating or um and it'd be the same with the olympics because it's already going to show um both you know it's going to show a diversity within skateboarding that's never been seen before because there's going to be skaters from all over the world um skating it which is quite rare isn't it um yeah so that's already going to open the door and then we could just there's this kind of potential to open the door to even smaller um, less told stories within it which I think is exciting for all sports because I don't know that many stories around football that are like that or basketball but I'd like to know them and I'm interested to know them so um, I think it's an exciting challenge yeah I really do see it as an exciting challenge yeah the way you frame that is really nice actually because I because yeah you're right you know you get something like the Olympics which is obviously just just like a lowest common denominator like you know for a lot of people that discover skateboarding through the olympics obviously they're going to get whacked around the head with like hey skateboarding you know blah blah like that 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 mainstream level of coverage but then you know like you say once those people are kind of go past that first hurdle and then start investigating then you've got an opportunity haven't you to to showcase the reality of these cultures in in which is obviously what you do with your work which is which is brilliant um, but that's a really positive way of looking at it because, you know, the conversation about the Olympics and action sports generally is so, it's so like either or, isn't it? It's so like, well, I can't wait. I mm. think it'll be great to be on the biggest platform in the world to like, this is going to destroy our culture. You know, it's it's either one of them. So to actually have a more nuanced view is really nice. I was listening to the not that I make a habit of re-listening to my own podcast, but um, for the book that me and Owen <laughs> tried to do, I had to re-listen to a bit of the Corey Schumacher episode. And she was really interested on the Olympics because she um, kind of said, yeah, you know, whatever, they're probably going to fuck up like the way they represent our culture. But equally, they mean that our culture has to conform to the actual standards of the real world in terms of, you know, the, the strides that the mainstream makes in terms of like gender issues lbgtq mm. issues the, the, you know that that in a lot of ways we're quite a backward culture on that in that way as you can see mm. with the whole debate about like black lives matter for example and people like suddenly discovering the concept of privilege or you know going because mm. so i think i think there are more nuanced ways of of like looking at that what the influence is going to be but i really like your 
you're mm. you're kind of you've already got a plan which is very characteristic you know you, you're like <laughs> yep i'm gonna go over there and and do this which is which is great you know like it's, yeah well i needed i needed the extra year as well so it was kind of a a blessing to have that extra time and to stop and think i've been running kind of on overdrive with things and a lockdown gave me that that space to breathe and stop and think okay where can i help what can i do where do i want to put my time because we've only got so much time don't we each day and we really feel that and i think we can put on a lot of pressure to ourselves to get so much done um but really the best thing you can do is sit down and go right what what am i fueled by where is my energy my skills best spent and how can i do some good in this world i think that's like what i always always think like i said earlier in the podcast if you can find what there's so many things going on in the world there's so much there's so much shit going on that you can't take on every battle we can't as individual humans okay we could if we all got together and 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 did it as a group and we are doing that now but i think individually and i can only speak for the individual in this podcast and that is thinking well what is my what is my personal story and what have i been affected by and where can i kind of jump in to help for the greater good to make a difference and we can make our little difference and I'm not talking about changing the world because we don't need to change the whole world there's lots of good in it it's like what where can I change the little things that have niggled my life and maybe you can make a little difference and if not at least you you tried and I think that's kind of um what what I'd like to do in my work and what I'd like to say to other people if if that's kind of if you're passionate about something, go for it. Go down that route because ultimately you're going to be more satisfied in your work. But maybe you'll you do something good or you'll help someone. You'll help one person or hundreds of people or help change something. Or um, and I think that's that's kind of um, that's important to me. Yeah. Well, I mean, it should be important to everyone. It making me think. Yeah. I mean, I, I I guess I try and do that. But probably not as successfully as I should do really it's uh because it's not easy is it to 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 get that balance and I think you didn't you know you no. did a really good job at kind of like following that thread through you know and which which is really demonstrated by the conversation that we've had you know like in the experiences that you've had because I didn't quite realize like how intentional the work that you've done has been from the beginning which is really interesting to hear, you know, which leads me very nicely, not planned to the final question of the podcast, but um, what, what would you like to do? Like ultimately, do you, cause, cause obviously you've created a platform for yourself. You've created a network for yourself. You've created a voice for yourself and, and an influence. Mm. And, and obviously I use the word intentional, not calculate because calculate is a horrible word, but um do you have any bigger goals that that this is all leading towards? Yeah, you know, for me, and I think it's probably come across in this podcast that it's the first time I've really talked about my career in such a in such a format that I really am aware that I'm talking about me and I did this and this happened and I did this and my thoughts are this, my personal opinion, and. Um, I'm also quite an independent person and I've spent a lot of time kind of traveling around by myself and um, I've been independent since I was about 14, just doing my own thing. And that's always been 
kind of the way that I've lived my life so far. And I think that does come across in my work as well is that, yeah, I, I get together to, to work with other people, whether it's been on the board of Skatesan or um, I also work with POW. I just joined their board as a trustee. And um, but then I'm a freelancer who works for themselves and has um, kind of multiple ideas that I do individually. And going forward and the grand vision would be that I could give all the work I've done and all the experience I've gone I've done to to the younger generation to to help the next generation of um people coming through who want to work in the industry and give my time to really that side of things because I think so far that's I've never been really that much of a of a manager and I never did make me on stash into a PR agency where I was hiring lots of people who wanted to get into the industry, which was once a dream. So I'm trying to work out now how I can take my individual work and my individual passion and help kind of more people and be part of something bigger in that sense, and um, which is something that I'm still working out how how I do it. But I think it's, um, it's yeah, just I don't know exactly how I'll do it, but that's what I'd like to do. <laughs> nice. Well, shit. But maybe that's like a general feeling of being a freelancer as well, and especially being a freelancer since 2012. And I've dipped in and out of organizations, obviously working with Skatestan and working with Patagonia. And um, maybe it's also a feeling that I have at the moment, just being by myself in lockdown and um, kind of not having the events on that we usually would. So it's made me really think. And yeah, for example, with this, this collective of women in skate that we've got going on with the um all the people behind the scenes that are working in it that we that we try and catch up once every couple of months that's kind of a big topic on our mind is like how can we um create this viable viable room for more women to come through and work in it properly as jobs to get paid right to um, get what they deserve within it and I think that I'd like to commit more of my time in, um, in how I work and to that being something that's there for the future yeah I mean that that makes a lot of sense to to almost not formalize but kind of like take what you've learned and what we've talked about and actually like consciously work out how it could be a benefit to others by the sounds of it and to yourself as well like to kind of you know not clarify it but yeah like be more be even more intentional than you've been with it perhaps you know which is <laughs> yeah yeah it's funny isn't it because I, I think everyone's having those thoughts with this situation um it's it's definitely given given a lot of time for um inward thought hasn't it and you know what what am i doing in my life kind of thing um yeah has it been a positive process generally that that you know thinking in this way oh yes definitely yeah I think um lockdown was a good time for reflection and just this year in general um and I mean I try and keep positive about (laughs) everything um but I just want to make sure that that I'm not on you know not just in a in a selfish place where it's about my work and um, and I do think that, you know, with the, the different organisations I work with, whether it's POW UK or Skatestan, there is a lot of collective good. And maybe that's it. I'm just inspired the more time I spend in these sort of organisations, um, how it is such a collective 
mission. There's no I, there's only we. Um, and I'd like to do more of that. But I think that um, it's important to get out there as an individual, learn these skills, see where you best fit, see what you can do, and then get involved in that collective, which I think is where I'm at at the moment. And yeah, I'm excited for the year ahead, regardless of how the world and um, whether the world lets us out and about. I'm in Scotland. There's a lot of things that are to be done here for me. I haven't lived in Scotland since properly since I was about 18. So um, a good while ago. So it's it's great to be back here and to be able to give back to um, to connect locally and to give back to the local communities that exist here, whether that's snowboarding, whether that's skating or just in, environmentally or generally. Um, so I'm really fueled um, by that. And I think local is is pretty important with everything that's going on at the moment. And um, and yeah, maybe that's that's kind of, I don't need to, we don't always need to be thinking globally or big little small ideas or yeah. small groups of people can make a big change to um, local circumstances and situations. And I'm quite fueled by that, especially, you know, working around Lauren, Lauren McCallum, um, and at POW UK and we're always coming up with ideas of of what we can do here in Scotland we've been friends for about 10 years and originally we we're trying to encourage more um, girls to get on snowboards with her project Lass and I was working at Cooler with Sam Haddad and trying to do features to get kind of more girls hyped on it and into it and then now we're working together on kind of how UK and environmentalism things that are happening in Scotland that we can connect more people to nature and understanding the land that we're on and protecting the places we play so yeah it all comes around and I think um, there's just goes back to the community just being a a really great place full of full of really inspiring people and I feed off them and hopefully I can continue to contribute to this this industry and this community that I'm a part of Maybe this is the year I come and finally do a season in Aviemore. <laughs> <laughs> you might have know, to. It might be your only it choice. Might it might be the because everyone, you know, we're chatting end of September, and it's it's started, hasn't it? Like the temperatures fallen, so everyone started posting yeah. pictures of snowboarding, and everyone's like, "Oh, you know, it's nearly here." And I've started, I've started collecting together a fleet of split boards because a big thing that I'm really excited about, and going back to um, our kind of the start of this conversation was. Um, accessibility into the the sports that we love and um you know we've been splitboarding together in some amazing places haven't we we've had some great tours and um i just like to encourage more people in scotland to get out and tour because there is we've not got the most dramatic terrain unless you know ben nevis is pretty dramatic but we've got some rolling hills that might have a little bit of snow on the top at some point so why don't we get more split words in Scotland or more split words in the UK and just get out for a little hike, walk slash snowboard? Oh, fuck, I'm going to come um, up and do that. <laughs> I'm definitely... It doesn't have to be anything dramatic. Oh, you know me. I think I there's room for that. I don't give a shit about dramatic. <laughs> Mallow are the better. We're just trying to make it round our kick turns, really, aren't yeah. we? <laughs> yeah, that's so funny when that trip and I, I really struggled on the icy slope and then Dan's like, Dan Yates is like, oh, well, you're not got any crampons on. Like everyone else has got crampons. I was like, all right. <laughs> okay. It's like, this makes sense. All oh, right. That's yeah. why everyone's but running think, up there. Okay. 
But I think there's a lot of potential for um, that in Scotland. And I've got like in my notepad of ideas, there is something for this season. Um, you know, I'm in Aviemore now and I'll have the season here. I don't really plan on, I don't have any plans to go abroad. I haven't been at an airport since end of January um, which is crazy for me because normally I'm at one every couple of weeks. Yeah, same. Um, I was thinking about that the other day. Like, this is the least I've flown since I was probably a kid, really. Which is, yeah, which is and it's kind really of good. great if you can stop. Yeah, stop. And environmentally, it's great. But also, it's like, stop and look around you. What have you got? Where can... What do you want to do? What's going on here? Adventure in an adventure sense. And um, well, having Scotland as a, as a adventure playground on the doorstep is pretty epic. And I've already been out in the van um most of the time between lockdown on every single coast non-stop just um parking up and hiking and swimming and and it's amazing but yeah with the the snow season coming up and really who knows what's going to happen I think we also don't know what the snow conditions would be like in Scotland and that's why I think right be adaptable be ready for anything be ready for let's get to the very top of the hill just to get one turn in and that that is that is my plan for the season and I was thinking does anyone else want to join me on this let's let's start a collective of people that can't go anywhere else and that um I say have to come to Scotland it's not really have to it's like who want to come to Scotland and get on a split board get their hiking boots out and find that wee patch of snow because it's still going to be great and it might be all we have this season but I think we just have to be as an industry, as humans, on the very basic level right now, it's about being able to adapt, isn't it? Adaptability is key on a daily basis. Um, and I think that's always been a very important characteristic for humans. Um, Yuval Harari, he's, he wrote Sapiens. I don't know if you've read Sapiens, but he, he talks a lot at the end about what are humans going to need in the future? And it's they're going to value creativity and adaptability. These are the things that um, especially creativity that robots won't the robots won't have the creativity but they'll be able to adapt but we need to be able to adapt as well and I think right now um, on the level of just like work you've got to be able to adapt but for your adventure environmentally with things changing and with the pandemic we've just got to be ready to kind of grasp anything we can get and stay connected to um the adventure and the outdoors and nature and treat it with respect and get yourself out there but get more people out there so I hope that this winter brings this image of me and a crew of socially distanced split borders <laughs> hiking up a wee hill in Scotland and everyone's invited I'm so. gonna come definitely <laughs> deal Everyone listening to this podcast is invited to that. Oh, Scotland, I, I, I love going snowboarding in Scotland. I absolutely love it. I love Aviemore. It's brilliant. So it's a great oh, experience. So great. I'm, you know, this is I'm I'm due a trip, so I'm going to come do it. So there you go. That was me and Hannah Bailey, and I hope you enjoyed it. Always really enjoy those conversations with friends because basically I get to go into them completely unprepared and just see where the chat ends up, like you know a normal conversation. Really enjoyed finding out more about the craft and the details of what Hannah does and also her ambitions for the space in which she's working. Inspiring stuff. I think you'll agree. Big thanks, Han. See you in Scotland soon for that split boarding session. So housekeeping corner, the period of the show where the part-timers have fucked off and it's just me and the diehards who've stuck around to listen to all this. If I can steal my regular joke from Ben Mundy, 
who always says this when people leave the pub early. Thank fuck they've gone. On this topic, I actually got a message from a listener who wrote me a long old missive about loads of stuff, but this bit stood out. Hey, Matt, hope this finds you well. Firstly, I want to say I really enjoy the podcast. I always listen through to housekeeping. I felt very uncomfortable with the Black Squadron analogy, but the fact I got the reference means it was probably pretty accurate. Now, I asked him to elaborate about that. The Black Squadron analogy, in case you missed it, is a reference I made to the Adam and Joe show where they kind of did a similar sketch about people that listened to the first hour of the show and how they were the elite listening unit, which is kind of where I'm going with the whole housekeeping corner thing, obviously. Anyway, like I say, asked him to elaborate. He said, nothing serious, maybe uncomfortable is wrong. Just didn't see myself as having a super fan geek personality, but realized I probably do since I've been listening to housekeeping on your podcast and knew exactly what Black Squadron was. Mate, don't fight it. That's my advice. The exchange was on Instagram, which as I mentioned quite frequently, is my main home on the socials. Although I did just bite the bullet and sign up properly to Vero, a relatively new social media site that's been doing the rounds. Now I've been chatting to Vero about potentially helping to sponsor the Looking Sideways book, me and Owen, uh, tortuously putting together at a glacial pace. So I thought I'd better get on there and check it out. And got to be honest, it's a pretty nice space, algorithm free, ad free, and more importantly, dickhead free, it would appear. Basically seems to be loads of people debating recommendations, sorry, offering recommendations. I mean, there's probably a bit of debate going on as well for books, films, music and other stuff, which is right up my duck pond, to be honest. Um, Anyway, I'm on there as Looking Sideways podcast, if you want to come say hello. I was early, early adopter, so I didn't have to go down the whole We Look Sideways route, which has proved so confusing to so many people over the years. Um, on the subject of feedback on Instagram, segue alert. I mean, I got a massive response to the Christina Cook episode. And I think Christina was very um, touched by the messages that I was sharing with her and the general response loads of them were positive i did get one that i'm going to read out which did make me laugh actually um it was from instagram it is again you know another theme it's probably my favorite ever complicit that i've had he of course it was a he writes sorry to say but that last episode was rubbish in my humble opinion i'm definitely more on gil scott heron's side with this one the whole space exploration thing feels like somebody decided to go to the pub to find solutions for his rotten marriage and the plumbing issues in his house. That said, it's good to view some perspectives that don't align with mine and I'm looking forward to your next creation. Keep them coming. I mean, that's great, isn't it? Pretty much the perfect complice sort, which, you know, as regular listeners will know, I do like to seek out. Um, what else is going on? Well, as me and Hannah discussed, the mercury's dropping in the thermometer and my thoughts naturally have been turning to snowboarding. I'm definitely going to go away, even if it is just to Scotland. But this is the time when I usually end up dusting off the old journalism hat and doing a load of writing about snowboarding. And happy to say that I started already this year. And I've got a piece coming out in the forthcoming issue of the Snowboarders Journal. Now, over the years, I think I've written for every snowboard magazine on the planet, pretty much. I've been lucky enough to have a column in Transworld Snowboarding. I've written regular stories for Snowboarder. This was a long time ago. Not sure they'd let me through the door these days. Um, but I've never had anything in the Snowboard Journal. 
And this was an interview with my friend and erstwhile guest, Elias Elhart. And it was a real privilege telling his story through this considered print format. Uh, and I'm proud of the result, to be honest. Big shout out to the Snowboard Journal editor, Colin Wiseman, as well, for being one of the best I've ever worked with in this industry, I'm going to say. Did a brilliant job, really helped me make that piece, um, took it to another level. Always brilliant working with a good editor. Thank you, Colin. Anyway, have a gander. Snowboard Journal's great. Nice to tick that one off the list after all these years. I'm also looking forward to working with my friend Taz Hagar on the latest issue of Curator Magazine. Now, last year I had the privilege of editing that magazine, which is quite a throwback since I used to make my living editing snowboard magazines. Hadn't edited a full mag for a while. Enjoyed it very much. Looks like we'll be working together on the next volume of Curator this winter as well. Taz is doing a great thing with that independently published snowboard magazine. So I'll make sure I share the bejesus out of it when we finish working on that one. On which recommendatory, if that is even a word, bombshell. I'll leave you to it for this week. Thank you again, Hannah. Hope you enjoyed the episode. If you did, you know, give it a share and all that. I'll see you next week. Nice one. (laughs) 